Nathan, how are you? I'm doing all right. How are you, Omar? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Great to have you on. It's been uh, it's been a while since Baltimore. I know, I know. Thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's I'm a bit nervous. My first Instagram live. So. <laughs> no worries, no worries. It's uh it's my job to not make you feel nervous. So that's yeah, the... I'm sure you'll I'm sure you'll take me through the ropes. <laughs> well, how's everything been going for you? No complaints, other than uh, other than like everybody else locked inside off the field. But um, yeah, everything everything's good on my end. How about yourself? Uh, it's been good. It's been good. I mean, I'm I'm not in an academy setting or you know director of coaching like you or goalkeeping like you. So it's uh, I don't really have that many goalkeepers to look after. So how have you been looking after your keepers in this time? But uh, we've actually I was having a discussion with someone about it this morning, and it's really funny how we've had to transition off the field and still somehow incorporate all our goalkeepers, all our all our players into the front of our minds and tr- start to train the brain. So they've they've all got daily daily workouts, daily sessions that they've got to do individually. But there's also stuff like player analysis projects that we've put together for them to make sure that they're actually watching the game and still stay a part of it and trying to grow their tactical understanding and tactical knowledge. So the first thing I did after we found out that we were going to be shutting down shop was uh, put together a, a, an individual at-home training program, which touched base on diet and how to how to keep continue to look after yourself from a nutrition standpoint, overall wellness of a, of of the athlete, how to sleep properly, hydrate properly, and stuff that these players know, but it's just a reminder. And then obviously put together loads of loads of little individual sessions, whether it be from a goalkeeping specific standpoint or just a generalized field player one. So hopefully we've we've given them enough to keep them busy. We continue to monitor it. We continue to meet on, over virtual meetings all the time and it's strange i'm not gonna lie it's, it's <laughs> difficult it's like is, is this the new norm we don't know hopefully not yeah. but yeah it's it, it's helped me it's given me time to focus on other areas so i think it's been great honestly i think if you look at the any, any of the positives it's from the player's perspective and from the coach's perspective we've had again time to deliberate a little bit more and really think about the cognitive side or think about sleeping better diet habits how do you know think for yourself without the coach being there? How can you get creative as a coach? How can you create uh, get creative as a as a player to stay involved with the game? Like you said, train the mind a little bit more. So I think if anything comes from this, I hope that that is something that's people get creative with. Um, but we could talk about that forever, Nathan. I want to get into you and again have you share your knowledge with these uh, these goalkeepers and goalkeeper coaches as well. So what I've been doing lately is doing an introduction. So again, all this is information that I found online that I put together. So if anything's wrong, please let me know. All right. So, okay, guys, quick introduction to Nathan Thackeray. Nathan, you started off as the men's and women's goalkeeper coach at Young Harris College, where you were there for one year. And then shortly after, you became the head of goalkeeping and assistant coach at uh, the Houston Dynamo, where you were the head of development and in charge of the training curriculum for goalkeepers, predominantly aged 14 to 23. Uh, your job was to identify and strengthen the talent pool to progress them into the first team. Uh, around the same time, you took a job as the goalkeeper coach for the Houston Aces, which was a women's semi-professional team. Uh, and this was your introduction to the women's game where you currently are now. Uh, you'd stay at the Dynamo for four years and then took the director of goalkeeping job at North Carolina Courage, where you currently are now. Um, six months after taking this role, you became the first team goalkeeper coach for the NWSL side, which is full-on professional, uh, NC Courage, which you guys just won the NWSL Championship this past year, correct? Correct, yes. Which congratulations and the, on and, that. And, and the year before, Omar. Oh, boy. <laughs> not, not, not bragging, I'm not. <laughs> Let me just erase my notes on that one. But uh, recently you were with the U.S. U15 Women's National Team in a camp. I think it was here in Los Angeles. Correct, yeah. yeah. It's been crazy. Your, your career has really 
just you know you've covered so much ground in terms of the college game the women's game the men's game director of academies and and, and coaching now for the first team so um how has your journey been to this point and what experiences have you learned so far um to, to be honest it's uh, it's been a great journey and, I, and i'll openly say i'm i'm far from the fin- finished product i would like to start off first of all by saying that, uh, thank you to you because um because what you've done putting all these coaches together has, has helped me and helped obviously hundreds of other goalkeeper coaches out there um, that have had the opportunity to listen and, and learn and gain ideas from other top coaches. So um, Thank you. just like I am not the finished product, these coaches are helping me in my development. But yeah, it's it's, it's been a, I mean, I, I came out of playing quite early. I think I was 24. I'd gone back to England after I played collegiately over here. I went back and played one more season, quickly realised that, one, I wasn't good enough to, to play, make it as a high, a high level as a goalkeeper. And then, secondly, there wasn't enough money in the lower leagues for me to maintain any sort of life, whether it be with a family or not. So I came back to the to the US. In, I originally came here in 2006 to play, went back in 2010 to England, came back in 2011 and pursued a coaching career. Uh, my first real stop was with Young Harris. The coach there gave me an opportunity from a volunteer basis. And it was, uh, I mean, my first real gig in coaching. The way I supported myself to live on campus for free was I had to wake up every morning, 5 a.m., go clean the cafeteria for all the kids, wow. prepare food for them. Once that was done, you clean up and then you go to you go to the office and start preparing for the day. And that was that was how I first got into coaching. And I did that for a year. My, my wife and her family are from Houston. So I went back to Houston to visit and met a, a young man that had been volunteering with Houston Dynamo in their academy. And he said, I'd come out and, and observe training. So I went out and I got chatting with James Clarkson, who was the who was then the academy director and now the Houston Dash head coach. I had a couple of conversations. He offered me a, an opportunity to go and run a session. I said, yeah, absolutely, no problem. So I ran the session and he came back and, and we spoke and he's like, would you be interested? I can get you a job here, not within the academy, it'd be within our center of excellence, Sunday Sunday school stuff, doing camps. At that point, I'm still 24, 25 years of age and I'm thinking it's a step in the right direction. It's a foot in the door. Um, I didn't really enjoy the college job because it wasn't enough time on the field for me. I wanted to be on the field all the time. So I took that opportunity and, and within six months, I was in the academy uh, as a goalkeeper coach. And then another year after that, as the head of goalkeeping for the academy, um, I was really fortunate over a small period that when Owen Coyle came in to be the head coach, they didn't have a goalkeeper coach within the first team. So I got to run the first couple of weeks of preseason in the first team setting as a 25, 26-year-old, um, which was incredible for me. And Although deep down inside, I was like, yeah, I can do this job. I'd really love to do this job. I, got, I became very fortunate because they hired Paul Rogers, obviously, who's been on a few a few days ago or last week. And he was a game changer for me because it was the first time I'd had a goalkeeper coach that was someone I could look up to, someone I could learn from. And the two and a half years that we spent together was phenomenal. I learned so much. It changed my perspective on on the game and on, on goalkeeping, to be honest. So it was great. So although I thought I really wanted this job, the best thing for me was to was to learn, sit back and, and get under Paul's uh, coattails for a good two and a half years. Um, and then I, I took an opportunity when it came up at North Carolina FC to be the director of goalkeeping where I could, they, they gave me a blank slate and said, you come in, you do whatever you want to do. We'll fully support you, which they've done phenomenally well. I believe we're the biggest goalkeeper program in the country. Uh, 300 goalkeepers, 15 goalkeeper coaches, plus myself and a couple of others who were full-time. And then I got the opportunity when North Carolina Courage came into town three years ago to join their staff. And that's been a, a real blessing to work with 
one, arguably one of the best teams in the world, if not the best, best coaching staff, top top level players that are playing at national team levels all over the world. And then it's been a successful one, which is, you know, if you're enjoying it, regardless of success, <laughs> and then you throw yeah. success on top of it, it's just a it's just a given bonus. So yeah, it's been it's been a really good ride. Um, I've enjoyed every minute of it, but a lot more to learn and a lot more to go. I hope. Yeah, well, one thing you did uh, you did mention there was the college game. Obviously, there are certain limitations that you have. You're not going to be on the field as often because you have games and you're preparing for games. And, you know, the coach is always saying the number one needs to be on ice for this week. We have three matches in eight days or something like that. So what was uh, that process like when you moved from the college game to the Dynamo Academy where you had more training sessions on the field? Uh, was there an adjustment period or how did you change your, I guess, preparation for uh, each week? Uh, yeah, it was a big adjustment. And listen, I was, I was doing it as such a young young coach anyway to and my first real job in coaching when I got to Houston and I started to learn more about what the game entailed from a goalkeeping standpoint it changed my perspective and my outlook anyway I didn't get enough time on the field it didn't have enough impact with the with the players during the week at the college level and that was a problem going back to Houston and being able to have an impact over a, a period of time rather than just all right, here's some information on the opponent or this is what you could maybe do in this situation. Now we're actually building out something that's meant for longevity. Um, and that's where the youth development phase for me was was important. Contact time with the players, uh, the ability to touch base in all kinds of different departments that, that had a longer lasting impact than, okay, it's your opportunity to win, which is what the college system is. You know, now we're yeah. trying, can you develop? So. Yeah, I think in the college system and from what, something that I've gathered with, being in the college system for almost for two seasons as a, as a coach is that you're not really changing the goalkeepers like we talked about like the development aspect of things you're really just approaching them from hey how can I best prepare the starter uh, for the weekend in terms of just tactics and making sure they get the the best possible picture that I could present to them of the scouting report and so you know you have that and it's the maybe more tactical but when you have the younger kids it's more technical right and so from that approach how much let's say for the academy kids that you you came into, how much for you as a coach was it about technique and how much of it was about tactics and, or the tactical approach and were you able to couple both? Um, yeah, you tried to touch base on both for sure. I know full well that when I first went into coaching, so what Jack said yesterday, I was very much about the technical side of it and I went into Houston where you know a, a lot of Hispanic goalkeepers were in the academy um, and I'm trying to teach the Hispanic goalkeepers who have a different style, the technical side of the game. So I was drilling technique all the time, all the time, all the time. And then even when Paul came in, Paul's huge on technique as well. It made me have a new eyesight for it. So I continued to do it. And only since uh, I moved into an environment that I was able to create myself, have I really said, well, actually, the, the most important part is the tactical side of the game. So yeah, I was mainly based on technical qualities and improving technique as a, as a younger goalkeeper coach, which is hopefully has evolved over the last <laughs> ten, 10 years. So. Yeah. Well, then you bring up the Hispanic side. And I think here in Los Angeles as well is a big pool of Hispanic goalkeepers and uh, Hispanic goalkeeper coaches. Um, and one thing that I had when uh, Anthony White was on a few days ago, he mentioned that there was a detriment at one point where he had a goalkeeper for six months. And because aesthetically, the way he was seeing the goalkeeper perform a certain technique, it didn't meet his, I guess, 
his priorities in his head of what technique should look like and he felt that he was trying to drill this technique in when really it was almost to a fault because this goalkeeper was effective with their own technique so how were you able to get to that point of like hey I don't want to overcoach this and maybe I need to coach this technique so how are you able to find that like middle ground well yeah you have to have a, you have to have an understanding and a balance um, between the two and I speak about it a lot to the goalkeepers that we have to the coaches that we have uh, here now and you, you look at two different things you look at what you as a coach want to see and how you express that message and get that message across to your to, to your players so you have a learning style that goes with it so how does the goalkeeper learn what are they what are their best attributes what department do they need to get better and how do we do that so then you merge the two together so you have your coaching style and then the learning style and if the two don't meet then you've got a big disparity because I might be really technical focused and I want to focus on just the technique, just like, just like Ant was telling you. And then you've got a goalkeeper who has a, a raw ability to keep the ball at the goal, but has very limited technique. So you have to find a semi-medium uh, and balance it out. And can you give them enough information from a technical standpoint to enhance their given ability? But are you good enough as a coach to be able to adapt to their needs and then adjust your style of coaching? For me, the most important pieces can you adjust the style of coaching because the goalkeeper is not going to be as open or as willing to or learn as quickly in a different way of, of teaching so um, it's it's important that the coach can see the two and say well what is the goalkeeper's learning style and can I change my coaching style to enhance their game you're not going to make everybody technical proficient because you're a different goalkeeper to me and and you might be really good shot stopper I might be really good at organizing and, and taking crosses but Ultimately, you've got to try and improve and enhance the goalkeeper as, as small amounts you can. Yeah, I think it's a, especially something that I've heard a recurring message from uh, the coaches that have been on here. It's that adaptability where a lot of what you do as a coach is making sure you can kind of on the fly figure out how can I best approach this. And I think it comes down to, uh, Andrew Sparks mentioned it, it's just being organized. So making sure that you have let's say the film or the coaching points that you discuss with those goalkeepers off the field so that once you're on the field, that layer of the, the language has already been set. And like you said, that coaching style and then their learning style is coupled. So I think a lot of that, would you say, is, is kind of off the field as well, where you kind of as a coach need to take the initiative to make sure that that's something that's layered out before you even get to the field. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So here's a two-part question for you and something that I'm really interested in is your, your job with the Dynamo was to identify and strengthen the talent pool. So from two perspectives, one is what were you looking for from prospective goalkeepers and you know their abilities and things like that? And then also for you, what were you looking for in terms of weekly development from the goalkeepers that you had already brought in? So obviously you have a standard for kids that you're bringing in, but you also have a standard for kids that you have on a day-to-day -day basis. So we'll start with the first one. What was the standard and what was your criteria like getting those goalkeepers in? Um, it was tough at Houston because Houston's so big and, and there's so much space between training facility and different parts of the city that it was very tough to, to bring goalkeepers in. We found that the best way to do it was try to get through, get them at the young ages to try and develop them through there where you really bring a goalkeeper in that's got a blank canvas and you can try and create your own goalkeeper. But it was really difficult. We wanted somebody that we could push through the pathway and push through the pipeline, whether it be a, a specific talent that they've got. So if they've got a an attribute that far exceeds everybody else's then it was something that was interesting to us i can remember we had a we had a goalkeeper that and he was a little bit older at the time he might have been u15 but i saw him playing in, in an adult league he was playing for his dad's adult league team and we were training on the field next to him and i just saw that he'd made two or three good saves out the corner of my eye and just natural talent to to keep the ball out the goal so i approached him afterwards and said would you be interested in coming out and we brought him out and we ended up signing him within the academy and it was just that 
what that one attribute that says right well he's got enough there that's a that's a quality that he's got can we coach and increase the rest of the level of the game so really when I went in and I'll be openly honest I had limited knowledge of what I was looking for and where we wanted to go because there was nothing in place at the time when we got there only when Paul really came along did it did it change where we say right well we've got to try and push something into the first team what is it that we're going to look for well let's start let's start from the beginning and look for something that's got an identified quality and can we can we bring that in and try and encourage development from within? So that's the, the the path that we took. Okay, so the second part of that would be once you got those goalkeepers in, let's say what was what were you looking for on a day to day basis? Was it just consistent development that they got better and better? They showed improvement or their ability to learn? So what was it that you're looking for to keep those guys that you brought in? I think the, I think the most important thing that you should that, that any coach should look for, and and I'm a big believer of it myself is the player's ability to to learn and you just touched it you touched on it there uh, it's if this if you bring in someone who's got a really good talent but they don't have the ability to learn and they don't have uh, the mindset of learning or the just the capabilities of learning then they're not going to improve at the rate that you want if somebody's open to receiving feedback open to to, to enhancing their knowledge then obviously you're going to see major growth so really you look for Consistent development, yes, obviously, um, but also you got to be you got to be patient with that development. If they're learning it, if they can say it back to you, if they can apply it to their game, then we know that they're learning in some capacity. It might take them 12 months to learn as opposed to six weeks to learn certain parts of the game. So long-term development and consistent development of the goalkeeper, and then goalkeepers that are open and willing to learn through yeah. through a period of longevity. Absolutely, and you said, I mean. Uh... We all know who Paul Rogers is. Any any goalkeeper coach knows who he is, the foundation and legacy that he's created uh, in Houston and other places, other stops that he's been at. But what do you feel like when you're time at the Dynamo that that Paul really taught you as a goalkeeper coach and as a as a person in terms of your personality that you took once you got that director of goalkeeping role at uh, in North Carolina? Yeah, the f- the, f- the first thing with without shadow of a doubt is his attention to detail. He had an unbelievable attention to detail. I, I, we'd pull up a, we'd pull up something and look at it. Uh, or he showed me a clip, a clip from a, the game, and he'd ask me, what, "Well, what do you think about this?" And I and I maybe pick out two or three things, and he's picking out six or seven things, and I'm thinking, "Geez, this is, this has got a really good eye for detail." So it made me look, look at the game differently, and how do I break down these little little pieces that make major differences in the goalkeeper's overall game? Another thing that for me was his professionalism extremely professional the way he organized things his dedication to providing the best for his goalkeepers was something that i'll carry with me forever and we, paul and i got get along really well still do to this day but from a professional standpoint he was he excelled and and ultimately that's why he's been at the top level for for as long as he has um i like to think that i run a professional setup now and that i am professional for the most part <laughs> i try my best um <laughs> So that those would be the the two biggest takeaways would be attention to detail and and how to create a professional environment and carry yourself as a professional coach. Great. So you move you make that move now to the director of goalkeeping in North Carolina, and I'm always curious to know because you got that blank slate, like you said, they said, hey, go ahead and get on there and, and do whatever you need to do. So what was that first two or three weeks like when you stepped into that role? Uh, first was what were your priorities setting your curriculum. And the second one I'm going to ask you is what were your priorities when you were hiring your staff? So we'll go with the curriculum first, because I'm really curious to know when you stepped in, what was that, that thought process like? How did you approach all that? 
Omar, I can tell you, the first, when I took the job, the first two weeks in the job, I almost quit and just said, right, I'm going back, I'm going back to Houston because it was <laughs> tough. It was, it was really tough. And I've been open with, with our guys at, at the club to say that because I'd gone from an environment that was solely focused on creating professionals. All right, how do we get this, a goalkeeper into the first team? That was the sole focus. And it was, and you're working with a minority. And then I went to, to North Carolina and now we're working with the masses and working with, all right, not every goalkeeper in this club wants to play professionally. Not every goalkeeper at this club wants to play collegiately. A lot of them are playing because they enjoy the game and they want to get better at the game without really having the same end, end goals. So that was the first thing that I needed to do is I, need to, I needed to figure it out and categorise how we, how we managed it. We had 160-something goalkeepers when I first got there, and it was, right, well, how do I make sure that we're providing the best for this group and then the best for this group. So the first thing I did is I created a schedule and a training schedule that allowed the top goalkeepers uh, within a very close age gap to make sure that they were training together um, because the top goalkeepers had similar aspirations of what they wanted to do and what they wanted to get out of, of the position. So that's the first thing that I implemented across all the levels that they were working with similar ability and similar age levels. And then the next thing I needed to do was to discover what we want to do from a goalkeeping department. So I went back to the club. I said, well, what's the approach from the club? What's the style of play? What do we want to do with the teams? Does every team want to play the same? Do we have some disparities between the boys' academy, girls' academy, ECNL, whatever it may be? And ultimately, over the broad spectrum of the club, everybody wanted to play in a similar style. So then it was, right, let's, let's create a curriculum that's going to allow us to work on these certain things. So if the club's big and one of the main focuses is that we must be possession orientated and we must build up in at each level, whether it be the top level or the bottom level, okay, well, we have to now make sure that our goalkeepers are efficient in possession of the ball. Um, so I worked it back from there to find out what the club, what the holistic approach for the club was and how we provide for our teams. And then I tried to implement it into the goalkeeper program to make sure that we were slotting goalkeepers into teams and making sure that we were going to be successful. Obviously, a massive task because there's so many goalkeepers, so many different personalities, so many different levels. But that was the, fir that was the first thing that we did, um, was try and make sure that we were training quality with quality so that everyone was getting better. And then look at what the team, what, look at what the club wanted and how do, we, how do we fit our curriculum and our philosophy inside the club's philosophy. Yeah, that's great. I mean, again, it goes back to being organized. It goes back to understanding, again, you know, taking that, maybe two, three weeks or however long it took to take a step back and really gather all the thoughts of everybody to make sure it's a collaborative effort, to make sure that there's no one, as Anthony said, there's no one blaming anybody for the lack of importance on a certain topic or a certain, I guess, function of what the club is looking for. Um, so then the second part of that question, Nathan, is you're stepping in now. You're, you're in Paul Rogers' role, per se, and now you're the one hiring coaches. So let's say my question is to you from the, the time you spent with Paul what did he look for from goalkeeper coaches? And did you take any of that and say, okay, this is what I'm looking for now because of the information and like the stuff that I've gathered over my coaching career? Um, outside of one of the things that Paul was looking for, well, two of the big things I'd say that he's looking for is that one, you have an overall knowledge of what the goalkeeper position is all about in a modern environment, right? And then the second thing is you have to have a, you have to be passionate about the position. If you don't have the passion for it, you won't be willing to do the extra pieces and do the extra work to make sure that you're getting the best out of the goalkeepers. So those would have been the two things um, that I would, that I would say Paul was really focused on. I don't know if he's changed. If I, I, I would doubt it. Uh, I still I probably still think those are two big things that he looks for in a goalkeeper coach. But when I moved to the club, it was myself plus four goalkeeper coaches. 
and we had 170 or 160 something goalkeepers. It was crazy. We couldn't do it. And now you're training with big groups. So the first thing I went and spoke to my, my boss and said, can we change this? Do I have the license to change the coaches to increase the number of coaches make the group smaller so that we're having a real impact on the goalkeepers and they said yeah we told you you can you can do whatever you need to do it's it's, it's your baby so i was like okay great um we had good coaches but we had coaches that weren't necessarily invested in in youth development we had collegiate coaches that did a good job on the field but it wasn't sort of their, their main priority to enhance the goalkeepers development so we needed to change that um, and i brought in younger coaches that had a genuine interest in becoming a goalkeeper coach, that had a passion for the position, that wanted to learn and wanted to gain knowledge and weren't just doing it to collect money, which is what I felt like we were at. So we made swift changes over that six months, the first six months period. We increased the staff straight away to, I think we went straight to like 10 coaches, so from five myself plus nine others then we added an assistant that was full-time and now across the last three years we're now at 17, 17 goalkeeper coaches on staff, wow. uh, 14 of which are part-time, myself and two assistants that are full-time. And then we have uh, Nick Platter from the men's first team who comes back down and does a little bit with us. Not not, not too much, but he certainly comes and helps out uh, here and there. So we've gone from a small group of coaches that were solely focused on it for a job to a, a big goalkeeper coaching staff that's now really focused on the development of the goalkeepers. So that, that's been important to me. The, the staff are great. The programme wouldn't run if it wasn't for, for the way that they did stuff. So massively thankful and fortunate to have those guys um, who do an excellent job day to day. Uh, again, Nathan, when you step into that role from, you know, going from Houston to North Carolina and, you know, how, and then again now to the first team for the NWSL where you're training professional athletes who are part of their national teams. So you have a starting goalkeeper now, uh, the national team for Canada. So in your head and how you approach things, how did you go from, I'm this guy that the club is hiring to, and now I, I, I'm going to garner your respect and I'm going to gain your trust. How was that process like? Um, it, you know what? It, it, wasn't, it wasn't too bad because, I'd, uh, I mean, I went in, I've not really worked on the women's side before at all. I'd obviously come through from a decent pedigree with the, with the Houston Dynamo. But for me, it was immediately the way that I could gain, gain their respect and, and know that I had their best interests at heart was the quality that I provided on the field. Ultimately, if the, if the training environment is good, there's a culture there on the field, then the goalkeepers buy into it and they're all about it. And that's where the trust comes. I, I think just purely from what was done on the field is where I first grasped their, their respect. And then obviously we've been able to build relationships off the field still within a professional working environment. But uh, I think that's been the, that was the easiest way to do it was get on the field and, and make sure that, the, that you provided quality whether it be detail, whether it be the setup, whether it be the execution of the session, the goalkeepers just want what's best. So if you can provide it, you gain respect immediately. Yeah, well, it's that ebbs and flow, right, of, of being a coach in any profession or in any sport. You're just always trying to reevaluate the way you approach things, making sure that you're not being complacent, making sure you're constantly learning like from mentors like Paul Rogers or from other coaches that you uh, come in contact with. So how would you say your personality has changed from day one at uh, Young Harris College to now? Like what was your personality then? Uh, what were you naive about? What was something that uh, you've learned that you've picked up along the way that's really helped you? It's a good question. Um, I would say I, I am, I'm a lot calmer than I used to be. Uh, I used to be a little, not rah, 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 but, but a little gung-ho in the training environment. 
I'm a little calmer. I sit back and I observe a little more. Um, I don't try and coach at every single moment, which is what I used to do. I allow myself to, to gain gain my own knowledge, project something on uh, uh, some knowledge on them, and then have them give me feedback. So I would say calmness of the way that I coach has been a big change in myself. I would also say that I've become a little bit more philosophical in, in how I approach the, the human, right, the person. It took me a very long time as a young coach to realise that every goalkeeper is different, not only on the field but off the field. Everyone goes through different challenges and different strives. So I had to become more acceptable to getting to know the person and having really, I said it before, a holistic approach to developing not just the goalkeeper but the person off of it. So those would be the two biggest character changes or personality changes, I would say. Um, calmness in the way that I coach and then a little bit more of a of a philosophical, holistic approach to enhancing the development of the person over the goalkeeper. Yeah, so then picking off what you just said, the development of the person. So one of the things that I get asked a lot is about like the psychology of the goalkeeper and how have you been able to, uh, in sessions, approach from the psychological side of, I want to put that you know demand and that pressure on you and that extra stress so that come game day or come the weekend, I know that you can, the 90th minute, we're up 1-0, we need you to make a save or we're going to put you in a situation on a cross that we need you maybe come out for. So how have you been able to have your session structure mimic and, and uh, have that extra stress factor? I would, I would say you have to create sessions that revolve around the game. You have to create an environment that would match the game. And, and at the professional level, the game is, is high stakes. Uh, you make a mistake and it costs a goal, you're, it's, it's high stakes. So if your training environment revolves around realistic situational things that happen in the game, then I think that's important. Then you have to create the pressure of maybe it's competition within yourselves. Maybe it's a fun competition. It could be a difficult competition. It could be punishment. We don't know. I don't know. But how do you create realistic pressure? And I think that's very, very difficult for coaches, to be honest, especially if you're a goalkeeper coach in an isolated situation. So if you're just coaching three, three, four goalkeepers on the side or, or whatever it is, if you can do it within a team setting, it's a little bit easier because the, the competition comes out naturally. So the ability to coach the goalkeeper and a unit becomes really, really important as well. So once you've gone from your 20, 30, 45 minutes, whatever you have with the, with the goalkeepers on the side, to then going into the team environment, I think you can also create the pressure there and say, listen, you can't concede. You have to do this better. You have to, you have to be able to organise the team out of possession, whatever it may be. So for me, it's difficult to create the realism in the goalkeeper session. It has to be done by the goalkeeper coach and the goalkeeper in a team environment more than anything. That would be my advice to, to any coach that works goalkeepers and, and team and can go back and forth, um, is that you you have the ability to focus on the goalkeeper within a team dynamic and how do you create a, a real environment from there and knowing that if you do something well, it's going to benefit the team. If you don't, then the team's going to end up suffering from it. Absolutely. So I have a question here from uh, J underscore moments. He says, Nathan, what's your advice on setting the goalkeeping mindset on game day? Um, listen, I've said this to everyone that asked me a question about psychology and I, and there's no, for me, there's no real right answer that I can give because I don't have, I don't have a PhD in psychology. I'm not, I'm not a master of the brain. I'm really not. Um, I try and make the goalkeepers as comfortable as possible, as lighthearted as possible, so that when they're going into the game environment, they're calm, they can be inside their own head and, and make sure that they take care of, of what they want to do. It can't be stressful. You have to make sure that it's a very comfortable situation for them, whether that be when the moment they walk through the door, you have a smile on your face and you embrace them as they walk in the door, 
or whether it be at the end of the warm-up and you just come up to them and say, hey, listen, absolutely fantastic in the warm-up. Let's carry it into the game. And it's just little pieces of, of, of the connection that you have. But ultimately, if you don't have the rapport and you don't have uh, that relationship with the goalkeeper, those things in a, on a match day won't have the same impact as they do if you do have all those things. So that would be, for me, the best advice is can you make sure that the, the environment suits the goalkeeper? Can you have a calm head about yourself? Can you give them little bits of positive information and start it way, way back, not just on game day, start it two days before game day. Make sure that you're touching base with them all the time with positive reinforcement. I think that's really important at any level, not, not just the women's professional game, youth level, men's pro level, collegiate level, whatever it may be. Well, to pick off on that, something that you mentioned there is, again, keep checking in on them, making sure, you know, you know where their psycho, their psyche is at the moment. You know, obviously with the number one goalkeeper, they're always going to be happy. The two and three who are struggling to find their, their footing or to find their place in the team, they're the ones you kind of maybe have to attend to. So how has your coaching style been? How do you approach that situation where you obviously want to set the expectation for the two and the three of like, this is what we need from you to become the number one. And I'm going to be a little bit hard on you, especially the goalkeepers that are coming from college. Um, but at the same time too, show them that love and care that they know, hey, like what you're saying is falling because you actually care versus just, I'm just trying to be somebody that's being tough on you. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's we're in a situation now my, where we have we have three goalkeepers that are in three different stages of their career. We have one that's sort of mid-30s at the twilight of her career. We have one that's right 26, smack bang in the middle of her career, should be should be getting ready to peak as a goalkeeper. And then we have a 22, 23-year-old that's, that's really just starting out as a pro. So three very different goalkeepers, three, de- three very different personalities at three very different stages of their career. So it's a challenge, but it also allows me to focus on each one of them in that stage. So we have a young goalkeeper, obviously, and I think I've spoke to you about it before, who's right out of college, has a lot of talent, uh, but doesn't know how to be a professional yet. So my time with her is is making sure that she's focused on becoming a professional in the day-to-day life, never mind goalkeeping-wise. And I am hard on her. I do hold her to a high regard because it is cutthroat at the professional level. If I didn't have that impact and I let her get away with certain things, and I don't think I would have the same impact on her longevity as a professional. And she, she would cut corners and she wouldn't be able to get away with things. So I make sure that I'm on her and I'm hard on her. Um, but also knowing she knows that I've got the best interest at heart because I still I pick up the phone and I speak to her. I get, have a conversation with her. We send text messages to each other. We converse, conversations on the uh, on the field. We review stuff. And she's still part of one of the goalkeepers. Um so she knows that I have the best interest at heart. Whereas the other one, he's, who's now in a sort of a predicament stage, right? Because she's not the number one currently. She's been the number one, uh, had success as the number one, but finds herself in, in, in a stage in, in her career where she's not the out-and-out number one right now. So that one's a little tougher um, because you've got to be able to come down to her level, understand where her, where her psyche is going to be at. She wants to play, but knows that she's not playing. So I have to provide her with the exact same stuff that I'm providing with the with the starter and also be able to facilitate to her needs as well. So that, that one's harder. A lot of conversations with her, a lot of time spent with her, making sure that she understands that she, she has a role within the team, whether it be as a, as a number one or a number two. And her role within the team is to get the best out of the number one every day at training. And she understands that now, um, that her training mentality has to change or had to change because if she wasn't able to push the number one to make sure that number one was at the top of their game, the team would end up suffering. And my way of getting into her was to make sure that she knew the team was her main responsibility. And now she understands that and does perform 
daily uh, to make sure that the other goalkeepers are, are raising their game as well. And it has benefited our number one and it in turn benefited the team. So I think that for those two, for the two and the three, those would be the ways that I deal with them. Whether, it, right. whether that's right or wrong, I, don't, I honestly don't know. Yeah, but no, it's it's a constant evolution. I, I always think about that too. Is that like you're always as a personality too? Whether you're taking new information, you said you're more philosoph- uh, philosophical approach. So whatever you're reading, articles, books, you take that new information. You go, okay, how can I use this to best approach the next situation? So I think it is a constant evolution as a coach, uh, training your mind and making sure that you're being effective, which I think is the best thing at the professional level is making sure that the message doesn't really change, but the way you approach each message for each person varies because of their personality. Um, okay, so I have a question from Jake Davis talking about you know training sessions and he says how do you find it having to vary session uh, vary sessions within different team size age group levels working with academy boys all the way up to the pro women do you run similar sessions for all or very different ones the overall um outline of the session could be the same uh, you know we, we might be doing this exact same work it's the content how i deliver it and the speed that changes really i, I won't provide the same content as i am to a U16 girl as I am to a U16 boy as I am to the first team. It won't quite be the same content. The speed will alter here and there. Um, my personality changes as well. You know, you got to think that, that dealing with a 16-year-old girl and dealing with a 16-year-old boy is a little bit different. So I'm a little bit lighter, happier on the girl's side. With the boys, I might be a little bit harsher and making sure that I'm still able to push both age groups and both both genders but I just having a different approach in myself. Um, but yeah, the framework of the sessions can be the same across all, all the boards, but the, the content of the information, the speed of it uh, is what is what changes. And then the other thing is that depending on the age group, then you have to think about, I know I've spoke to you about this before, the game demands, what does the game demand from the goalkeepers? Um, if the game doesn't demand something, you know, younger goalkeeper doesn't have to deal with the same situation as a pro goalkeeper does. So there's no point dealing, there's no point doing that session with them. So if I was to go back and work with a, a U13, U14, I might not do what I've just done with the U19s or the pro team. It could be very different. Um, again, similar framework, maybe maybe a slightly different topic and a slightly different amount of content. Got it. Okay, I have another question here from N. Kinney Sr. He says, at what age do you think youth goalkeepers can focus on only playing in goal and not as an outfield player? Um, I have this discussion all the time um, with our younger foundation coaches. For, for me, they should be playing in the goal. If they want to be a goalkeeper, they should be playing in the goal and on the field till they're U12, I would say. U13, you could probably start to categorize them as just the goalkeeper. But if there's moments or, or chances to give them 10 minutes as a, as a centre forward or as a centre-back, whatever it may be, I think you can take advantage of it. I like to tell the goal that our tier one coaches that say, oh, I need a goalkeeper at U9 and U10. I'm just like, no, you don't. You don't need a goalkeeper. You need to encourage somebody to play in a goal, but you don't need a goalkeeper. You need that goalkeeper to make sure that they're continuing their development as a soccer player, not as a goalkeeper. Um, if they're brave enough to want to go in goal and they show a natural talent, then fantastic. We can pull them to one side and we can continue to work on them and, and try and, and try and push them into that direction. But you still want a soccer player because if you don't improve the soccer player, it's not going to be what we want at the end. They won't get the same amount of content and they won't get the same ability to grow as a player as what everybody else does. You look at the, and it's a big problem for me because you look at the, the, the field players time in the game and they might start playing as a six year old and then, by the time they've become a 12-year-old, that's when they become a goalkeeper, right? So you go 6 to 12, they've had six years of soccer development. Whether it be really good or really poor, it's still six years of soccer development. And then they've become a goalkeeper as a 12-year-old, and now they've had one year 
of goalkeeper development. But ultimately, we're, we're expecting the goalkeeper to be at this level when the field players had so much more time to grow as a player. So for me, it's peaks and troughs and time spent in the game. So if we can continue to encourage them to be a soccer player and then encourage them to be a goalkeeper at the same time, uh, I think you'll have some some real growth upon what you ultimately want from your goalkeeper at the end of the day. And we want goalkeepers that can play. So why not give them the opportunity to play on the field at the younger age groups? Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, it does. I think that's one thing that uh, Tim brought up recently. He was saying that his uh, his son, they usually rotate the goalkeeper. So somebody's on the field, somebody's in goal, just constantly rotating. So you get both of those effects. And I think, again, it's important. And I think, you know, one thing I did mention or someone mentioned to me was, uh, I think it was Chris Sharp. He said that, yes, there are times where the, the goalkeeper should be playing in the field. But there's also times where you see a goalkeeper that as they gotten older, because they specialize in the position, they're a little bit further along than somebody who didn't. So I think that's also just that, you said, it's that ebb and flow, that common ground, like that middle ground that you have to kind of find. And it, it happens through reps, through training your eye to see, you know, when a goalkeeper may need to be on the field a little bit more, when they've, you know, mastered that and they can specialize. Um, but Nathan, one thing I, I've, I'm always curious about is when you're coaching a new goalkeeper. So let's say you just stepped into the U15s at uh, the national team and you see certain goalkeepers that you don't work with every single day but you see them and you see certain qualities and attributes that they bring to the table that you've never really seen coached into somebody or you've never coached into somebody so how was that experience like with the U15s did you see something and go oh wow she's really good at that I may have to see how my approach is to that certain technique yeah uh, it was it was really really enjoyable and and I think you've hit the nail on the head that I, I went in there with the mindset of I need to coach you have to coach but I can't coach everything so I'm going to look for one area that they really, really excel, and I'm going to try and give them information that can help them in that area. And then I'm going to look for one area that they might not be excelling and that they're finding that that might be one of their difficulties within the game, and I'm going to provide them information to try and grow that area. You have to think I had six days with these goalkeepers. You can't teach them to be a goalkeeper in six days. So I, uh, that was my plan going in. first thing we did is we sat down and we created – they created. I sat and took notes and had a conversation with them, and we created a, a, an IDP for them for the week, just for this week. What's your given strength and what do you see as your given weakness? And how can how can I help you gain in each area? Because it's important that we touch on both uh, weaknesses and strengths. So that's the way I, I approached it. Um, we did different topics throughout the week, uh, obviously, but I only really focused on one area for or two areas for each goalkeeper. Otherwise, I would have... I wouldn't have had very good impact at all, I don't believe. Is it right? I, I, I'm not sure. I don't think going in there and just giving them all the information I could possibly give them would have been the correct thing to do because it would have been too much and I would have lost them. So my, my main thing there was, can I create an immediate culture? Can I create a really a really positive environment for these four goalkeepers that are all coming in? into a? It's not a high-pressure situation. It isn't. It shouldn't be. But intrinsically they're putting pressure on themselves because it's the national team a lot of them it was their first time in so that intrinsic pressure i had to bring it all back down by the environment that i created so yeah very limited in what i was focused on from a coaching standpoint well we have nathan has a great answer we have about seven minutes left and i uh want to just get as many questions as i can but uh so based off of what you just said and the answer you just gave about you know, training with these national team goalkeepers. And again, you only have them for a small period of time. But for your NC Courage, you have the Canadian national team starting goalkeeper who is, I mean, a legend in her own right and has really created a legacy in, in her uh, in her career. So how has that been like for you? I always, you know, I always 
to myself, challenge myself whenever I train a goalkeeper who is a little bit higher level, a professional level, you know, I want to create my service. I want to have uh, making sure that I put, you know, game like stuff where they feel like they're getting better and they're, you're being forced to be challenged. Um, but sometimes you can kind of go into those sessions with the mindset of I want to overcoach and prove myself. So how did you deal with that when you got again Steph Labe a legend in my opinion from what I've seen and her following her career a legend how are you able to step in with that and say okay I'm not going to change who I am I'm going to kind of create an environment that she feels comfortable and she's getting better but without over coaching yeah it's, it's funny because because before Steph came in I'd, I'd, I'd heard a few horror stories in regards to her in a trend environment and I'm like well let me see let me see about it from my from my own standpoint and my gosh what a fantastic person to have in the training environment because she's she's open and willing to learn she provides feedback to the other goalkeepers um, but she also knows what she wants and that for me is the most important thing does she know what she wants do i know what she wants and how can i tweak the way that i coach to make sure that i'm providing what she wants so she loves game realistic situations ball has to be moving hit first time a quick t- a quick change of movement which is how I like to coach. I have another goalkeeper coach that loves to do some technical work. So it was, for me, it was, how do I get to learn what she wants straight away and then try and figure out how I can implement that into my coaching style whilst touching base with everybody else as well. But ultimately, she's the number one. Um, So she was my focus and my training style changed a little bit just to to make sure that I knew I was delivering what she wanted. If you don't get to know the person and don't don't get to understand or don't have the conversations of what you want as a goalkeeper, how do you want to train, what areas do you want to get better in, then you're only going to train for yourself. And I think that's been a common message across everybody that you've had on, to be honest, Omar. You, You can't be a goalkeeper coach that trains for yourself. You've got to be a goalkeeper coach that trains for the player. And how you service that player is vitally important. So that would be how I went about it. What do you want from me? What do you like to see in this situation? How do I relate what I'm going to do back to the game? Because the game's important in this situation as well. Uh, and then how do I put it forward and make sure that it's given any given day I'm providing the best for you? You know what, Nathan? Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm happy you brought that up because I've, you know, I've asked very similar questions to everybody like Andrew Sparks when I asked him about, you know, what was that situation like stepping into the, you know, pinnacle of the game, English Premier League, and you're going in there with, Angus Gunn, Alex McCarthy, like all these guys who are, you know, huge and they're looking at you and going, okay, like how can you get, how can you provide me training that's going to get me better? Or you stepping into this environment and, you know, you initial like feeling is I want to prove myself and show these people that what what they see on paper, like what I've done in my career is justified. And just like you brought up, it's important to have those honest conversations to say, hey, like, I really want to know what you want. Sure, I can give you and make it about me, but I want I want to ask you what you want so that we can collaborate. I'm not going to do everything you want, but let's make it so that I can give you what you need on game day, but you're also, you know, meeting my, my necessities and what I need to see as a coach. So I'm happy you brought that up. And we have... You can, you can prove yourself as a, as a coach um, uh, off the field. It doesn't have to be on the field. I, I remember my first meeting with Paul Rogers, and I'm pulling it all the way back to Paul... And my first meeting with him, it wasn't on the field. We were sat in his office. We spoke about the game. He asked me what I'd done for the first two weeks. He watched some film with me, and that was it. He immediately had my attention. He had my respect. I didn't need to see what it was like on the field because I'd seen what he can deliver off the field. And, and, mm-hmm. it, and if you can do that with the goalkeepers, just like Sparks has done at Southampton, fantastic. 
Love it. That's a, I mean, I'm going to use that sound, but I love that to me. It's, it's, that's important to hear the common message you guys are, you guys are having across the board. But, uh, my man, Neil Thompson, big cat goalkeeping. He says, what is the best pathway for, uh, for the girls to make the professional level? What advice would you give a young aspiring female goalkeeper who has high hopes and dreams of making it to the highest level? And Nathan, before you start, we have about uh, three minutes. This may be the last question. So let me know. I'll try my best. Um, yes. I, I think if, if they've, if they've said, Listen, I want to I wanna be uh, an elite-level goalkeeper. I have aspirations to play at the highest possible level. Okay, no problem. All right, now how do we make sure that that's focused? I don't know from a youth standpoint what the best way to do it is. Often the elite-level goalkeepers that want to go further put themselves into a college environment. And listen, we're, we're a long, long way away in this league in the end of result to sign in 18-year-olds and putting them in the first team. It's not going to happen for, for a long time as far as I'm concerned. So the decision that they make going from youth, whether it be ECNL, Development Academy, any given classic league uh, across the country, to then going into the college environment. For me, they have to outline, and it's the advice that I give a lot of our goalkeepers, they have to outline what they want moving forward. If they discover that they want to be an elite level goalkeeper, okay, how do you look at your next step in your career, which is youth to college? This is what I'll focus on for you. They have to, first of all, categorize them however they want and put them into any order they want. What do they want from, from an education? What's their fallback on? Where do you want to go to make sure that you are developing your non-soccer-specific education? What is the environment from a soccer-specific environment? What's that going to be like? Am I going to be able to learn? Is there a high-quality goalkeeper coach? Is there a top-level team? Um, is the coach really switched on and has aspirations to be a top-level team? What's their playing style like? Is that going to suit the way that I want to play? And then ultimately, the other thing I would say is Put yourself into the best possible environment for you to develop as a person. So that's a lifestyle. Are you going to be able to go away and grow as a person? Because what I've found is goalkeepers coming out of the college game and coming into the pro game is that they haven't mentally matured. And I think sometimes you can put yourself into an environment where you're babied, where you really looked after. Well, actually, maybe it's better for me to go into an environment where I'm going to be challenged daily as a person. Forget about football, forget about soccer, goalkeeping, whatever. Are they going to grow as a person? So that when they do take that step uh, in from the college to, to the pro level, that gap's now smaller because they're able to handle themselves off the field. And, and then the other pieces should help them on the field. So you categorize them however you want as a, as a young goalkeeper or someone that excuse me, has aspirations to be a professional. But I think those three pieces uh, are really important as well. All right, guys. So that was the end of the interview with Nathan Thackeray, Director of Goalkeeping from NC Courage and the NWSL side, NC Courage as well, who have won the last two NWSL championships. Thank you, Nathan, for coming on. We got cut off on the Instagram Live, but hopefully we'll have him on again soon, guys. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Pro GK Podcast. We'll see you guys later. Take care.